While they're heading out, if anybody needs a Bible, we have some for you. It'd be great if you had one and had it open as we look at God's Word together this morning. And so just catch uh, the usher's eye and uh, be glad to uh, give you one of these uh, bridge Bibles. They're in the entryway here if, if uh, you want to grab one when you come in the door. Um, and if you need one at home, take it with you. Please feel free. We'd be honored to pass that along to you. Join me in prayer, would you? Father, you are a God who communicates, and, and we would know very little of you if you hadn't communicated through your word and ultimately through your son. And so we are grateful to be able to hold your word in our hands, to look into it for ourselves, to see in it your character revealed and uh, to see a witness of, of your son and who he is. And so I pray that we would be drawn closer to you through our time in your word. And I pray that we would be equipped for service to you, that we might represent you well to a world that needs to hear a message of hope that a savior has come. So help us to do that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a story about a Sunday school teacher who asked her class, what is small and gray and furry and, and likes to climb trees and eat nuts? And uh, the uh, kids just sat there uh, without answering. And uh, the teacher said, come on, you, you know this, you know this. And, and they just sat there with silence. And finally, one boy just sort of summoned all the courage he could, and he said, I know the answer is Jesus, but it sounds a lot like a squirrel. <laughs> you know, the standard Sunday school answer is Jesus. And if, if you're in doubt, just guess that. Most of the time, you'll be right. So today, we're looking at a passage where Jesus shows himself to be the answer to just about everything involved in having a relationship with God the Father. He talks about uh, going to the Father. He talks about knowing the Father. He talks about showing the Father. How's that for an outline? Let's take a look at God's Word and see this in, in John uh, chapter uh, 14, uh, verses 1 through 14. We're on page 752 in the Bridge Bibles. So uh, read along with me as, as we, we go. You read silently, I'll read out loud. Jesus says, and, and context is, uh, we're in the upper room. He has just gone through the Last Supper with them. He has washed their feet. He's told them he's leaving. They're troubled by that news. And so he says in chapter 14, verse 1, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. 
How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Did you notice how many times in that brief passage Jesus spoke about the Father? How many times he referred to the Father in those verses? And that's because he and the Father are one. Uh, and he reveals the Father to us. God is three in one, and all three members of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, have lived in perfect community from eternity past. Jesus is going to speak here about his connection with the Father, 13 times, by the way, in this section he has referred to the Father. And in the section we'll look at next week, the latter half of chapter 14, uh, he will talk about the third member of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. More on him later. But Jesus' whole ministry is about bringing fallen people like you and me into a relationship with God the Father. And in this section, he's going to talk about going to the Father and knowing the Father and showing the Father. So let's take the first one. Jesus is the key to going to the Father, verses 1 through 6. The way is Jesus. As I mentioned before, the disciples are troubled. Jesus has just told them that one of them will betray him. He's also told them that Peter will fall away, and he's told them that he is going to be leaving them. So they're troubled, uh, and they're troubled that they can't come with him. And so in verse 1, Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. And then he says, you, you believe in God, believe also in me. And, and then he goes on to talk about heaven. My father's house has many rooms. The solution for troubled hearts then centers on heaven, not on earth. And so to troubled disciples, Jesus says, uh, not hang in there, things will get better, Instead, he talks about his father's house, and he assures them that he's got plenty of room for all, that he's going to be coming back so that we can be where he is. Now, the culture we live in would not probably find that particularly helpful, right? Uh, don't talk to me about heaven when I've got problems. Uh, that's pie in the sky. I, I want an answer now. I want a solution now. I want help now. Don't tell me about heaven. Get your focus back here. Have you ever heard somebody say, that person is so heavenly minded that he's of no earthly good? And, and yet, the people that I've uh, met who are most heavenly minded are the ones who are the most stable the most steady, the most poised and reliable. 
And it's because they've got a perspective that transcends all the ups and downs of this life. They've got something solid to look forward to. And I, I frankly don't think we talk about heaven enough. Think about what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. He's talking to people there who are going through tough times, and he talks to them about the return of Christ. And he ends that chapter by saying, therefore, encourage one another with these words. Do we do that? When people are going through tough times, do we say, hey, look forward to the Lord's coming. Look forward to your going to be with him forever. We tend, I think, to fall into what the culture wants. Tell them just to hang on. We can do so much more. That perspective of looking forward to what God has in store for us is life-giving. And it has given hope to Christians for 2,000 years now when they've gone through far harder things than we go through. And Jesus says in verse 2 that he's going there to prepare a place for us. What does that mean? Keith Green had a song out a long time ago that I, I, I really enjoyed. I, I really appreciate a lot of what Keith Green wrote and sang. But he had a song out about heaven, and he said this, I can't wait to get to heaven when you'll wipe away all my fears. In six days you created everything, but you've been working on heaven 2,000 years. You know, we, we hear that, and we go, six days creation, 2,000 years he's been working on it. It's going to be amazing. And, and that was just a, a great thought until, until you think that through, and you realize heaven was a perfect place already. It's not like he's been up there working on a fix-up project for 2,000 years to get it ready for us to come. No, it's, 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 it's more than that. What's it mean then when he says that he's going there to prepare a place for us? It's this. It's his going that prepares a place for us. The very thing that caused them anxiety, the fact that he was leaving, is the thing that prepares a place for us. His going is what prepares the place for us to get to heaven, to go to the Father. Now, what's going to be so great about heaven? It's not going to be golf courses or feasts or even seeing people we haven't seen in a long time. The greatest thing about heaven is seeing our Savior face to face. Man, I, I so look forward to that. Think of that amazing privilege of looking into Jesus' eyes. You know, Moses wanted to see God. In Exodus chapter 33, he says, show me your glory. And God says, no, I can't handle it. No one can see my face and live. But in heaven, we will do just that. We'll be able to see the face of God. You know, I hear uh, people talk about their loved ones who are in heaven looking down on us and seeing what we're doing, you know. Uh, you know, so-and-so would be so proud of you. He's, he's looking down on you right now and seeing what you're doing. Well, you think about that a little bit. Not only does it creep me out, 
just, just a little bit, you know. But you think about someone who's standing in the presence of God, able to look in his very face and preferring to look at something on earth instead. Why would they want to? You know, can, can you imagine a conversation with Jesus? You go, excuse me, my, my grandson has a football game. I kind of want to see this thing. We get to see the face of God there. That's what's going to make heaven so great. And Jesus says in verse 4, you know the way. You know the way. And Thomas doesn't quite get it. He kind of misses it. And so in verse 5, he says, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus says, you, you do know the way because you know me. I'm the way. The answer is Jesus. Verse 6, he says, I am the way and the truth, and the life. It's all in him. Know him, and you know the way. Know him, and you know the truth. Know him, and you know the life. He's not just the one who blazed the trail and made a way so that we can follow him there. No, he is the way. It's all about him. So know him, and you know the way. He's not just the one who spoke truth so that we can learn and understand. No, he is the truth. Know him and you'll know the truth. He's not just the one who gives life so that we can drink and find it. No, he is life. So know him and you have life. It's all about Jesus. It's all found in a relationship with him. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth, and the life. The problem with that today is our culture doesn't want to hear it. Our culture doesn't want to hear it. Uh, we're living in a pluralistic age, and, and what Jesus says here is exclusive. It's exclusive. I am the way. I'm the only way. I am the only source of truth. I am the life, the only life. Apart from me, you don't have any of that. Our culture doesn't appreciate that very much. What do you say to someone who says to you, I, I'm glad that works for you. I, I have my own truth. You can have yours. I'll have mine. The answer is Jesus. Get them to look at the person of Jesus. The, the gospel of John is just so rich and it's so good for that. You know, the whole purpose of John's gospel, he tells us in chapter 20, at the end of that chapter, where he says, these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the, the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. It's all about Jesus. And while the other gospel writers uh, go into a lot more detail about things Jesus did, John wants to show the significance of the things Jesus did for who he is, so that we'll understand who he is. So get someone who's wondering about Christianity to pick up and read the Gospel of John and look at this amazing person of Jesus. When you look at Jesus, you look at the things he said and did in the Gospel of John, you're going to come face to face with the question of who is this person? Who is this Jesus? And as we looked at some time ago, uh, C.S. Lewis gives us basically three options when you look at the things he said and did. He is either a liar, or he's a lunatic, or he is the Lord. 
Those are the only options really available to us. The answer is Jesus. He is the way to go to the Father. He's also the key to knowing the Father. Look at verses 7 through 11 with me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Jesus is the key to knowing the Father. To have seen Jesus is to have seen the Father. Jesus faithfully represents the Father to us. What he gives here is a picture of complete unity between himself and the Father. He says, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Total unity. Each one in the other. And Jesus reveals the Father to us. There are things about the Father we might just miss if it weren't for Jesus. You know, there are certain things you can conclude about God by looking at his created order. There are more things that we can understand about God through what he's revealed to us in his word. The ultimate revelation, according to Hebrews chapter 1, is in the Son. It is in Jesus. He ultimately reveals the Father to us. So some things we might have missed about the Father, we can understand because we know Jesus. We might see, for instance, his power. You think about the storms that, that ran through here a couple nights ago. I, I got some pictures uh, from Irvin and Ruth uh, about, uh, of several trees on their property that were knocked over by the force of that storm. And yet God is over the storm. God is more powerful than the storm. We, we might see and understand something of God's power, but miss his tenderness entirely if it weren't for Jesus. We might see his transcendence, his, his otherness, and miss his imminence if it wasn't for Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us. He's, he's out there, but he's also with us. We might see his holiness and miss his love. We might see his justice and miss his grace if it weren't for Jesus revealing that to us. In Jesus, we see not one or the other, but we see all of it. And in him, we can see back into the Old Testament with more insight into who God is and what God is up to in those places that are harder to understand because we've seen Jesus. Jesus reveals the Father to us. Want to know the Father? Draw close to Jesus. 
Now, for some of us, the idea of God being like a father is not comforting news. Some of us had distant fathers, absent fathers. Some of us had harsh fathers, even abusive fathers. What do you say then? We need to be reparented by the ultimate father. We need to be reparented by a loving, heavenly father who shows us what fatherhood is and should be. And we see him in Jesus. Jesus is the answer. Draw near to Jesus and you'll understand what an ideal father looks like. Jesus is the key to going to the Father, to knowing the Father, also to showing the Father. Look at verses 12 to 14 with me. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. What works has he been doing? He has been revealing the Father. And he tells us if, if we put our trust in him, we will do that as well. That becomes our mission to reveal God to a world that needs to hear about him. And um, as we share the good news with others, we do that very thing. And, and he tells us in verse 12, we'll do even greater things. Now, what in the world could we do that would be greater than what Jesus has done? Well, the answer to that is, is given in a clue in that same verse. He says, we will do greater things than these because I am going to the Father. So the answer to that question, what, what are these greater things, has to be things that we will do because he is going to the Father. And it comes down to this, his going means the Spirit's coming. And we'll deal with the Spirit next week when we look at the latter half of this chapter. But Jesus' going has the Spirit then coming. Jesus ministry was localized, mostly in Galilee. Um, the ministry of believers with the Holy Spirit indwelling them is everywhere. It's everywhere, all over the globe. We are his representatives. Verse 13 and verse 14 make some interesting claims here. I'll do whatever you ask in my name. Wow. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I'll do it. That often gets twisted, doesn't it? Uh, we can ask for anything in Jesus' name. I can ask for what I want. He'll give it to me. Well, if, if that's how you approach prayer, you're going to be disappointed. It, it won't work. And you may end up concluding that prayer doesn't work. So what's he getting at here? Well, there's a, a, a movie out, been out for a good while now, very theological in nature, you understand. It's called Bruce Almighty. Have you seen that one? 
Uh, Jim Carrey plays the part of Bruce Nolan, who gets to be God for a while. And uh, he gets inundated with prayer requests. He can't keep up. And so finally, he just says yes to all of them, and everybody gets what they're asking for. And the world quickly falls apart. God would not be wise to give us everything we ask for. I can think of plenty of things that I have asked for in my life and look back now and say, God, I am so glad you said no. Garth Brooks is not often cited for his theological insights, but he recorded a song called Unanswered Prayers. You familiar with that one? Let me just share a verse. Just the other night at a hometown football game, my wife and I ran into my old high school flame. And as I introduced them, the past came back to me. And I couldn't help but think of the way things used to be. She was the one that I'd wanted for all times. And each night I'd spend praying that God would make her mine. And if he'd only grant me this wish I wished back then, I'd never ask for anything again. Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. <laughs> God is all loving and all wise. He knows what to give, and he knows what not to give. So what's it mean then when Jesus says, if you ask for anything in my name, I'll give it to you? What's it mean to ask for something in Jesus' name? Is it just a matter of ending our prayers with those three words, like some magical incantation that's going to get us what we want? It means to ask him for things in support of the mission he's given us and to ask as his representatives. So he'll give us what we need to carry out the mission he's given us. We're his representatives, as though the requests were coming from Jesus. So when I ask in Jesus' name, it's asking as though Jesus were asking. When I was in the army, one of the positions I held for a while was Battalion S4. And the S4 is the logistics officer for the battalion. I needed to make sure that people had the things they needed. And so in order to carry out that role, I got to sign requisitions for the commander. And so above my signature block, all in capitals, it would say, for the commander colon, and then my name. Wow, you talk about power. I could sign for the commander. A first lieutenant having the power of a lieutenant colonel. It was pretty cool. Wouldn't a new desk look good in the S4's office? Wouldn't, wouldn't the S4 look good riding around in a new Jeep? Those words allowed me to sign as though I were the commander. But those words taught me that I'd better be certain that what I was requisitioning was something the commander wanted. I was his representative. And as his representative, I could requisition things in his name. 
So as we ask for things in Jesus' name, we're asking for things as his representatives. And the context here is that we're representing him to the world, knowing that he will give us what we need in order to carry out our mission. And our utmost concern, according to verse 13, is his glory. We want his glory more than we want our stuff. So we ask him as his representatives to give us the things that will allow us to glorify him the most. The answer is Jesus. He's the answer for going to the Father. He's the answer for knowing the Father. He's the answer for showing the Father to the world. He's all we need for relationship with God the Father. And without him, we have no connection to the Father at all. When I want to find out what someone is relying on for their salvation, I'll ask this question. If you were to die tonight and find yourself standing before God and he asked you, why should I let you into my heaven, what would you say? That will tell you what they're relying on. The answer I get most often is, well, I'm a pretty good person. Uh, maybe better than most. Uh, I've never done anything really bad. And what they're relying on is their own efforts. And the Bible tells us our efforts won't get us there. The only thing that can get us there is the perfect Son of God who gave himself for us and gives us his righteousness, gives us right standing with God because of what he's done for us. It's not about our efforts. It's about what he's done. So someone has said, Religion is spelled D-O. You do, and you do, and you do, and you wonder if you've ever done enough. Christianity is spelled D-O-N-E. It's done. Done in Christ. He paid the price in full. We start out in life actually not good, but estranged from God the Father. We're not naturally his children and left in that condition, we would be cut off from him forever. But Jesus is the way to go to the Father, to a place where the Father is, a place that his going away made possible for us to follow him there. He's the way to know the Father. When we've seen Jesus, we've seen the Father. And he shows us the Father perfectly. And he's given us the mission of showing the Father to the world. The answer is Jesus. Do you know him? And are you getting to know him better? He's the answer for going to the Father, for knowing the Father, and for showing the Father to the world. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you that in Jesus we have a complete revelation of you. And that in him, we have the way to come to you, to stand in your very presence, to look into your face, to be with you forever. And in Jesus, we can know you more fully. And in Jesus, we can show you to a world that needs to know him too. And so I pray, Lord, 
that we would just love Jesus all the more and want to know him all the better so that we can truly be your representatives, your agents here in this world. So draw us close to your heart. Thank you that Jesus reveals you so fully to us. I pray that you would use us then to reach others around us who need that message as well. In Jesus' name, amen.